our look into the book of Esther. We'll go back to Esther and we'll look at the end of chapter 6 tonight. Remember next Sunday night we'll have a 5 o'clock evening service. And uh, brother, I'm, I'm going to take next week off and I won't be here next Sunday. But Pastor Sam's going to take care of uh, the pulpit next week and he'll do a wonderful job. Uh, so any complaints about the 5 o'clock service next week, you'll have to bring to Pastor Sam. And so uh, Lisa will be coming to you about that. Uh, she won't get her nap next week. But uh, no, we're just joking. But, um, but anyway, we look forward to being away just a little bit and, and kind of taking a break next week and uh, ramping up for our grow class. Uh, so I'll probably send some updates on those things your way through the bulletin next Sunday uh, to give you updates on that. Esther chapter 6, we'll look beginning in verse number 12 tonight. Looking at the last thoughts of these verses, or the last thoughts of this scripture, moving into chapter 7, which in my mind and my heart is my favorite part of the story of Esther, beginning in verse 12. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hastened to his house mourning. And having his head covered, looking back at that today for just a brief moment and thinking about how that when we're in our place, which God has called us to, and we're doing our duty, whether it be small or large, uh, we're the ones that serve with happiness. Those that oppress us and those that are defeated by God's precious hand, those people are the ones that are dismayed. And so Haman, he's in his house and he's mourning, having his head covered and Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had befallen him. Then said his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shall surely fall before him. And while they were yet talking with him came the king's chamberlains, and hastened to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. And so back some chapters we see that Esther had began to make preparations for the destruction of Haman. And uh, it was important that God's hand was over Mordecai and his position in the story. But we also know and see that God's hand was over Esther. And as we shared this morning, she had not revealed herself as a Jew. Her, uh, Mordecai had told her not to. And so she had not revealed herself to be a Jew. And so uh, God used that, uh, not a, a deceptive thing, but a protective thing for his people. God used that uh, to put her in the position as, of, the, as, of the queen, as the queen there of Xerxes' queen. And Xerxes was utterly infatuated with her. We find that she was beautiful. We find that he greatly pursued her. Uh, he was excited about this uh, this banquet that she had called, and uh, he had invited, and she had invited Haman, and so that was just her ability to uh, know what what things would unfold, and she knew that Haman being there would likely uh, cause issue uh, for the king. He wanted time with his wife. He wanted time to um, enjoy her company, and he wanted time to be with her, and so she knew that Haman being being there would uh, cause issue with. Uh, with her husband, and she, or she knew that uh, likely a door would open, that she could reveal uh, some things to him, we'll see in just a few moments, and use that to show uh, Xerxes exactly what Haman had been up to 
in persecuting the Jews. Once again, God's hand moving. A position he's put someone in years ago, days ago, months ago, eons ago. It feels like that nothing maybe has come to fruition. It feels like uh, maybe Esther, I think about her looking at this situation. And I know that she was distraught and she was hurt uh, about what was going on with her people and how the Jewish people had been persecuted and how they were being attacked. But God had a time and a place and a day and a purpose for Esther. And while that day may not be your day that you're living in, your day may not be today, God has a day in your life where his provision is working and moving you to that you can serve him. Things can be revealed. Things can be made known. The truth can come out. The truth always comes out, amen. It always does. That's what I love about the truth. And that's why it's best to be on the side of the truth is because the truth will make you free and the truth will always come out. And so we see Esther, her banquet, verse 14. Can you imagine Haman? He knew his destruction was coming. He knew his destruction was coming. He had already covered his head. He went back home where he had left victorious, where he had left arrogant, where he had left expecting to see old Mordecai hung up. Brother Chuck, that thing was 75 feet tall. That's, a, that's, a, that's If they ain't spot in that, I don't know where you can find spot. 75 feet tall. So they used to do that downtown Hendersonville. Well, we need to probably do that again. 75 feet tall, people. He, want, he, he left his home that day expecting to display his victory over God's man, expecting to display his victory over God's people. But God's hand of provision had been working, had been moving, had been making preparations. And he comes back home, and he walks through the door, and he says, Zeresh, everything that I thought was solidified, everything that I thought was going to happen, everything that I expected to unfold has fallen apart. And she said, if this Mordecai is a Jew, you'll be destroyed. Man, talk about your wife giving you some encouragement. He knew. She knew. God's not done till he's done. And the circumstances in which they may seem, they're terrible, they may seem things are falling apart. You may be on the cusp of God moving and God touching and God blessing your situation. Mordecai was out and paraded in the street. I don't think that's what Mordecai wanted. Mordecai wanted peace and protection for his people. Mordecai was paraded in the street. What did he do? He went back to the gates. That was Mordecai's place. It's your responsibility today. Whether you be on the cusp of the next day that your situation unfold and change, or it be months, days, and years before God's provisional hand delivers you from your hardship, whether it be today or that day, it's your position, your responsibility to be in your spot that God called you to be in. Until God delivers you, 
And then after God delivers you, Mordecai was protected after the king paraded him through the, through the city. He was protected. But he still went back to the gate. And whether that means you need to keep coming back to Mountain View Baptist Church every time the doors are open, and you need to keep tithing like you're supposed to, and you need to keep coming and praying this altar like you're supposed to, and you need to keep patting somebody on the back like you're supposed to. You need to keep up the things of God until God delivers you. And when he delivers you from that issue and that difficulty that you're going through, you need to keep doing what you're doing. It's not for us to just serve God till he delivers us. It's for us to say, I'm such a servant of God, not because of me, but because of me being willing to submit to the will of God and me say, saying, Lord, you are king. You are you're a leader of my life. It's me saying that I'm going to submit to you today. And Lord, after you deliver me by your providential hand, tomorrow I'm still going to serve you. And while I may be exalted in this world, and there's more people that like me, and I might get paraded around in front of, uh, in front of a few people. I may have a robe put on me. I may have people pat me on the back. Lord, I'll still go down to my lowly position down there at the gate and I'll still serve you because that's what I've been called to do. God will and wants to deliver. And I don't know, like I said, those Jews that died under this persecution, their deliverance looked different than Mordecai's, amen? Hey, I'm not here to tell you your deliverance is always going to be so fun on this earth. But God's deliverance, this side or the other side, is true rest. But it's our responsibility to be found in our place serving him. Today, when we're going through the storm, and tomorrow when we're standing in the sunshine. They come and they get Haman. Could you imagine those words ringing in his ears? The chamberlains hasten to bring Haman under the banquet that Esther had prepared. So the king, verse seven, chapter 7, verse 1. So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the queen. And the king said unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. You see, Esther had really piqued the interest of the king at this point. Uh, back in this day, they didn't have just a, just a two and a half, three hour show up and hang out kind of party. This was, this was going on for a while. This is the second day of this banquet. And he comes to her and he's, he's really interested in what she has to say. And he's really intrigued with Esther. And, and he finds her so attractive and so beautiful. And he loves being in her presence. And he comes to her and he says, please, Esther, can you tell me what it is you wanted to ask me? And at this point, he said, I'd even give you half the kingdom. I, I'll, I'll do whatever you need. She had him exactly where she needed him to be. Men, God can use women in ways he can't use me. I'm ugly. I am not, I am not, I don't have the ability and capability. Now, it didn't give women the right to go abuse men because they're weak. But God put Esther in that position because the way she carried herself, because of her beauty, because of her presence, because of her tenderness, things that men, it just doesn't come natural to us, does it? <coughs> and she has him right where she needs him. Do you remember this is the man that killed 
all of his engineers for not doing things exactly the way he wanted him. You say, she's being tricky. She's being smart. She knew this was, a, this was a risky thing for Esther to do. She knew that. She had him right where she needed him to gain his ear and gain his attention. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sorrow, king, and if it please <coughs> the king, <coughs> excuse me, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. Then she begins to speak of the Jews in verse 4. She had not revealed herself as a Jew. And in verse 4, she reveals herself to be a Jew. She says, for we are sold. I and my people to be destroyed and to be slain and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although this, the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, the adversary, that I love this, she says, well, I invited him here today. The adversary and the enemy is the wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. All this that Haman had <coughs> wickedly done had come to fruition. It had been revealed. You see, Haman was walking around. The king had gave Haman a ring. And he walked around with the significance of, and the authority of the king's blessing on what he was doing. Because he went as a trusted counselee of the king. He went to him and he said, there's people in your kingdom that intend to do harm that, that I, I need to take, take care of. And, and I'll get them out of your hair. And the king gave his blessing to Haman. So what happens is when Haman is revealed, especially in the society, more than anything, the authority of the king is brought into question. He feels greatly, greatly uh, uh, double-crossed or, or betrayed by Haman. So she says, it's, the, it's Haman. And the king, verse 7, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath went into the palace garden and Haman stood up to make requests for his life to Esther the queen for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. He got up and walked outside. You ever have to do that? Let me take a breath and a breather before I kill somebody. That's exactly what, what he was doing. He was, in, he was in the right frame and mindset to be listening to Esther and her plea. And he had love on his mind and he had happiness on his mind. And he takes a second and he steps outside. Look at what verse 8 says. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the palace of the banquet of wine. And Haman was fallen upon the bed Whereon Esther was, he laid down on her, her, her couch. What the, what the Hebrew is, is actually says is her couch. But nonetheless, you don't do that to the king's wife. You don't do that to any man's wife. You don't do it to a king's wife. And he laid down beside her, and he was seeking to plead with her. But when Haman walks in, it doesn't look like that. He took a minute. He was listening to his therapist. Take outside, go outside and take a breath, Ahasuerus. Xerxes, you got to take a breath before you react. You ain't going to find any more engineers if you keep killing everybody. You're going to have to start breathing before you do anything. And he walks back in and he sees this scene of Esther there on her bed. And he sees Haman, the one he's so infuriated at, the one he's so frustrated at. He's laying there with his wife. 
And he's seeking to plead with her, but to him it does not look so pure. And Haman was falling upon the bed whereon Esther was. Is that not God's providential hand? God knew to protect his child Esther, to protect his people, that he had to change the mind of Xerxes. Will he force the queen? Then, then said the king, will he force the queen also before me in the house? It's over at this point, folks. As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Everybody knew what was about to go down. And I love this. It might be a little more, but I'm sorry. But verse 9. Oh, oh, Harbona, one of the chamberlains. That's not what the King James says. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold, also the gallows 50 cubits high. This old boy is standing there. He said, Hey, we just built some gallows down the road. We just built them, Chuck. They're 75 feet tall. I don't want to do it again. Why don't we use those? God's providential hand. Behold also the gallows 50 cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, <coughs> who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him thereon. He took a few breaths. Decided what he was going to do. Verse 10, so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath was pacified. Or then was the king's wrath pacified. Haman built those gallows in arrogance. Expecting to see one of God's chosen people hang and die. From those gallows. But God knew before He created heavens and the earth that one day little Esther would be born. Like my little girl sleeping right there, she'd be little, have little pigtails. Somebody called them ponytails. I said, We're poor people, they're pigtails. We ain't got no ponies over my way. She'd grow up to be a little girl. She'd grow up to be a young woman. She'd grow up to be a beautiful lady. And God would place her by his providential hand, by his powerful hand, by his amazing hand, God would place her in the position to save the life of Mordecai, who he knew from the time he was a little boy like mine, running around here, getting carried out here, getting weapons. Anybody else saw that walk, you know that was a whipping walk. <laughs> to grow up to a young man, to grow up to be a man, to grow up to be the caretaker of Esther. God put them together. And God moved. Mordecai and the Jewish people faced the persecution of the world. But the whole time, God's hand had Esther where she needed to be. That when the time was right and the time was come, it would be Haman hanging from those gallows. Rather than Mordecai. When the world thinks they've got us in a corner, the world has made their way, had their way with God's people. The, God has, uh, the people have 
taken God's people and oppressed them. People in this world have set our destruction before us. Hey, I may go that way. It could have very well been the case that Mordecai hung from those gallows. But Mordecai would have had rest in the Lord. It would have still been God's providence. But God's plan was that a wicked, evil, arrogant, hateful Amalekite named Haman would set before the people of his city the destruction of one of God's chosen people. And when he chose to mess with God's chosen people, God's hand had been moving for days, years, months, generations, millennia before time existed. Before Adam was created, God knew that one day Mordecai would be facing, walking down the streets and see those gallows. But God already had it settled. Let's see what happens here. <coughs> the king's wrath was pacified there in verse 10. Verse number, or chapter number 8. On that day did the king Ahasuerus give the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. See what just happened? The trust that the king had bestowed on Haman was taken away from Haman in his death, and it was bestowed upon Mordecai, God's chosen person. And not only was the trust and significance of the ring that he bore, you can't, this day you didn't just prove, hey, I'm friends with, on Facebook with, with Xerxes. No, he gave him his ring. That's how he proved that he was one of the kings. He gave him his king, and what does it also say? He put, Esther set him as, mortar, as the leader, the head over Haman's house. God exalted Mordecai. God's plan this whole time was to be that Mordecai would be exalted over Haman's house. Verse 3, and Esther spake yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman, the Agiot, and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, <coughs> If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight and the things seem right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agiot, which he wrote to destroy the Jews which are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows because he laid his hand upon the Jews. God sees and God knows who attacks us. 
and his hand is moving to protect us. There's a lot of things that, in my mind, I like to think just didn't happen. Man, I'm glad. You ever had a close call? These days, everybody's got to say amen. Close call on the road with people. You think, man, I'm glad my reflexes are so good. Or one second before, I'd have been dead. Exactly right. God's hand was moving on that situation before we ever come to it. It seems trivial. We, we get out of it and we think, man, I, I, goodness gracious, I got out of that. Look at me. Maybe even thank you, Lord. Hopefully, thank you, Lord. But have we thought about how God's hand truly moves to protect us? What did Haman do? He laid his hand upon the Jews. That makes God angry. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring, for the written writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is the month, Sivian. On the three and twentieth day thereof, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews and to the lieutenants and to the deputies and rulers of the provinces which are from India unto Ethiopia. Pull up an atlas. Take a look at that, that span of this kingdom of this day, an empire really. 127 provinces. Scholars and historians can't even believe the size some actually say it wasn't even possible. But I know it's possible because my word tells me it's true. Some, they don't even think this is possible, that one man can control 127 provinces, which are from India unto Ethiopia. 127 provinces unto every province according to the writing thereof and unto every people after their language and unto the Jews according to their writing and according to their language. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name and sealed it with the king's ring and sent letters by post on horseback and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries, wherein the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together and to stand for their life, to destroy, slay, and cause, cause to perish all the people of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. Upon one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, namely upon the, th the, thir the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month Adar. The copy of a writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people. And that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So the post that rode upon mules and camels went out being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment and the decree was given at Shushan the palace. We learned something right there. That God's hand of protection will be made known to the world. When God moves over a situation and God protects us and God provisionally comes in and takes care of us and delivers us, people will see and will know. You see, all the way back to where Xerxes Ahasuerus where he was his fury was quenched his anger was quenched because they hung Haman he could have ended there but God's providential hand was still pressing still moving 
still speaking to Xerxes to the point where he said, tell everyone in all my provinces I'm in control of. Tell every Jew. They have more rights than some of our citizens. God will do amazing things and is doing amazing things and is working to do amazing things in our lives. God's hand is moving in ways we cannot see. And God will let everybody that needs to know that we're his people. In verse 14, I like, so the post that rode upon mules and camels went out being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. He said, take this word that gives authority to the Jews to destroy any and all that would afflict them, any that would stand against it. Take it and hurry and go in all the provinces. Let them all know. Could you imagine that oppressed Jew on the other side of this empire, their family had just been killed. Their home may be burned down. They'd had stones cast at them. They'd been spat upon in the street. God, throughout all the ages, knew that his child was curled up in a corner, a dark corner somewhere, oppressed in this society. And one day, someone comes by. That mule they rode from Ethiopia they hop off and they hold a decree in a letter that says stand up you have all rights to defend yourself that's God's mighty providential hand and that little one that's up in a corner curled up crying and hurting that's been spat upon and kicked and stoned and mocked and laughed at they now have authority they now have power that's how our God works he reverses the things he took the mind of a lost man named Xerxes that was controlled most of the known world and he exalted his people amongst nations and peoples that they did not belong in that's what God does with us it's his mighty hand is moving and he will exalt us he will touch us he will direct us he will free us he will redeem us and while there's some that their fate to me doesn't make sense that they have died and they have gone on and they have never experienced the goodness uh, on this side uh, seemingly but on the other side they know the goodness and the providence of God what a mighty God we serve verse 15 and I'll be done and Mordecai went out from the presence of the king what does it say there in royal apparel of blue and white and with a great crown of gold and with a garment of fine linen and purple and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. Look at this, verse 16. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. The culture was converted to them because they saw how great God's hand was. You can't deny God, can you? You can't deny God's goodness. People can deny God in their heart, turn against them. But you can't deny God's goodness and even lost people can see the hand of God. Have you ever heard stories of lost doctors that give a faithful patient a report of death. Say, Miss so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, you've got a mass so big we can't do nothing with it. 
and a little precious soul take that lost person's hand and say, I'm going to pray. Or say, God's had this all along. God knew that this would come to me. In their faith, God heals them. And God's hand moves on their life. And that doctor come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because they can't deny how good God is. That's how our God works. The deacon in our last church, his wife, she worked as a receptionist for a Jewish doctor for many years. And told him over and over about this man named Jesus. He believed in God. Jehovah. Seemingly the same God you and I believe in. But he rejected the Son, Jesus Christ. And that years, 30 years, they, all the ladies in that office witnessed to him, spoke to him. One day he gave his life to Christ, accepted Christ as his Savior. Born a religious Jew, went out of here. A righteous son of God. What a blessing that is. But you know what? I believe the testimony of people and the goodness of God in their lives, there's, a, there's no denying God's hand moving on his people. And like these people, that saying almost, you could almost say, if you can't beat them, join them. But I think God moves in our lives that he can be a witness to other people that they can see how great and how mighty and how powerful he is. And if they reject it, it's all the more tragic because they've seen the mighty hand of God move. Finishing up here with Mordecai. We see Mordecai, he this time stands as leader of Haman's estate with his royal apparel on, exalted in a high position, Rejoicing people there in Shushan around him. Happy Jews filled with light and filled with joy. That's what the word says. But I think if I could just imagine for just a moment. They came to Mordecai. Sitting in the king's gate. Where he sat every day. Faithful to what God called him to do. And they came to him with the news that he would be exalted. He would be given leadership of Haman's estate. By who? The Bible says by Esther. It was Esther. God's person, God's woman that he placed by his power as the queen there in Persia. She, she would be used, given Haman's estate, Haman's land. Haman's title, and she would bestow it up on Mordecai. And where was Mordecai? I believe he was in the king's gate, serving like he had always served, doing like he was supposed to do. And when he walked, got up and he walked out of the king's gate, he walked out of there in power, given by God. And the next time you see him, you see him here standing, robed in royal apparel of blue and white, with a great crown of gold, with a garment of fine linen and purple, and people were rejoicing and glad because God exalted the man Mordecai. So I'll leave you with this. God's provisional hand. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Whether you, it be prior 
to God moving and certainly after God moves. And when God moves, and that enemy, now I don't, I don't expect our enemies to be hanging by 75-foot gallows tomorrow, although some of them you'd like to see them up there by their toes. But when we see the destruction of that enemy, go back to where you've been serving the whole time. Go back to that church pew. Come back to this house and worship. Don't use God as a spare tire. I'll thank you, Lord. I'll get back in there when I need it. That's not what Mordecai did. They came to Mordecai. And I believe, like I said, that's just my imagine, imagination, my opinion. Maybe he's down there in the gate doing what Mordecai always did. And they said, Mordecai, Esther has bestowed upon you leadership of Haman's estate. Let God move. And in his time, by his power, by his hand, he'll put you exactly where you need to be. But until then, be where he has called you to be now.